0: Welcome back to the HR Grapevine podcast, the podcast series that takes an in-depth look at one of the most fascinating, important, or divisive HR topics that is making the headlines. I'm Sophie Parrot, online editor at HR Grapevine, and each week I'll be joined by a different HR journalist as we explore the contemporary practice and most pressing debates in HR within a short podcast. So join me as we properly pick apart what it means to work in the people function. Today, I'm joined again by Kieran Howes, Deputy Editor at Executive Grapevine Digital Media. So welcome back to the podcast, Kieran. I'm really glad to be joined by you for today's discussion. And I think it's something that we're definitely both well-placed to discuss, having word from home for quite a while
1: now. Yeah, exactly, Sophie. Yeah, happy to be discussing this one. I think we're both uh, seasoned experts in this area.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you could say that. (laughs) Well, over the last week or two, several organisations you may have seen have hit headlines um, after announcing more kind of permanent changes to the way that they plan to work going forwards. So, for example, earlier this week, Spotify announced that it would be adopting a work from anywhere model. So, under this, staff are able to choose whether they want to be in a office full-time, work from home full-time, or a combination of both post-pandemic. Also making the news recently was Salesforce, who is one of the latest firms in San Francisco to announce a move away from in-person working. After asking staff members what their preferences were, the firm said that it would transition the majority of staff to a flex model, where they come into a physical office one to three days a week, And of course, you know, the movements from both Spotify and Salesforce do come after other firms, including Twitter, who told staff last year that they could work from home forever if they wanted to. And of course, if their role and situation enabled them to do that. And obviously, these are some of the more recent examples that we've seen. But I think since the pandemic hit almost a year ago and everyone or a large portion of people, should I say, have been forced to work from home as a result, employers largely have got a flavour of what it's like to oversee wide scale remote working and as a result i think some employers are definitely considering whether a full return to the office in the future is the right option for both them and their staff members
1: yeah i think this period's been actually really revelatory both for uh, workers and for businesses both have now had a real taste of what full remote working is like and so yeah it's up to them now to to make the decision whether full time remote working is is what they want to do going forward And it does seem that organisations are at that stage now where they're starting to make major decisions about the long-term future of remote working policies. And for those who haven't made those decisions yet, haven't sat down and had those conversations yet as a leadership team, now actually really may be the time. Uh, It was confirmed last week that PM Boris Johnson would lay out the government roadmap for exiting lockdown on February 22nd. Whilst we have no solid news about what that timeline is actually going to look like yet yeah, obviously that's what he's announcing on february 22nd a report from the independent said that schools may open as soon as march 8th which is so close to us now and the pm is really optimistic about managing the return to kind of you know normal life which may follow soon after but what does this mean for HR, right? That's what the listeners are going to be thinking about here. And essentially, the time in which workplaces may well be able to reopen, that's that's coming up sooner now than maybe we first believed. And a recent Slack survey found that four in 10 are – I'm going to use single quote marks, not that you'll see them here – but desperate to get back to the office – Yet six in 10, obviously, that means want to remain remote in some form. So getting those HR policies in place now is so essential in making a smooth transition from this weird lockdown period that we're in now to some semblance of normal structure, whether that be a physical return, a completely remote return or a mix of the two. But don't you think, so that actually a move to such a vastly remote workforce was in some way or another inevitable in the long run?
0: Well, Kieran, I think as you kind of said earlier, you know, the fact that a lot of us have been working remotely for almost a year now, we've definitely had a flavour of what it's like to work remotely full time and obviously experience both the pros and the cons of that. And as kind of like the stats you just illustrated towards, um, there will be some employees that are, of course, keen to return to a central office and, you know, be able to have those in-person social interactions with others. But there will also be staff among workforces that will want to continue working from home and perhaps, you know, benefit from things like having a better work-life balance and those sorts of things. Over the last year as well, I think we've definitely been seeing a growing appetite among employees to either work from home going forwards or explore a mix of both Working from home and working from an office, as various data has suggested. So, for example, 2021 data from YouGov Invested found that two thirds of Brits want remote working to continue post pandemic, and that was according to B Daily. In addition to this, some 2020 data from Cisco Systems found that nearly nine out of 10 workers want to be able to choose whether to work from home or the office after COVID restrictions ease, as well as having greater autonomy over the hours, and that was reported by Reuters. So, it definitely seems, in answer to your question, Kieran, that there is an appetite among staff to have more choice over their, their working arrangements. And this, of course, will have to be a consideration for HR that wants to, you know, attract and retain the best talent. Whether employees do continue to work fully remotely or adapt more of a hybrid mode of working. So a term that kind of describes a mix of office-based work with working from home and or another location. There will definitely be follow-on questions for HR about managing this strategically. So in terms of things like culture, wellbeing and employee engagement. And as I just mentioned, one of the core areas to look at which has been a top priority for HR during this time is managing company culture both in terms of hybrid teams as well as remote teams. So I guess, Kieran, the question is, how can HR go about doing this?
1: Yeah, I mean, that is the key question, isn't it? That's where uh, everyone's heads are at at the moment. So we're coming up on that 12-month anniversary of people working uh, exclusively from home. So the hope is that many companies have been seriously considering how to sustainably maintain positive culture in this time. But obviously, we've spoken to so many companies over the last 12 months about how they've managed this. And the one key resounding factor seems to be communication. And that doesn't just mean keeping people in the loop about what's going on, about, you know, what the leadership are up to and that kind of thing it's a different kind of communication as well. It's social communication. So I spoke to Lin Chien Nguyen, who is the head of people at Food Brand This, and she said that for her company, the massive influencing factor has been allotting time in every workday for casual conversation, making up some of what we might call the water cooler experience that we all love about the office. And she said it's time where people compare what they're watching on Netflix and what they did at the weekend instead of, you know, talking about graphs and work projections and that kind of thing. So that's doubling down on emphasising how important this time has been to their digital culture. So, with many companies now looking at the possibility of a hybrid model or workers continuing to work exclusively remotely, they need to make sure that remote workers are still very much part of the culture regardless, and continuing to host digital social time could actually end up being the really important factor here. And another interesting area, in my opinion, is reward. So we're used to hearing about companies offering fresh food in the office or taking everyone out for work drinks after work. But how does this translate into a digital model? And my suggestion would be looking at the work of companies like Lad Bible. And this is a story that avid readers of HR Grapevine will have read on the site over the last uh, couple of weeks. And they've actually – set up this kind of concept where uh, you know recently it was pancake day so to celebrate that they sent out a branded pancake making kit to all of their workers and then they used these kits to have a pancake flipping competition and I just think that's a really fantastic way of combining kind of accessible physical reward it's just a light-hearted thing with an engaging digital event getting everyone together
0: Oh, I'm actually glad you brought that example up, Kieran, because I know it's something that our readers were really interested to hear about the other day. And as you say, completely agree with that, you know, sending out kits where employees can kind of get together socially and do an activity, you know, that they perhaps might have done in the office. So obviously around pancake day, something to do with pancakes. But replicating this in a virtual context, I agree, is a great way of promoting culture long term and also, you know, maintaining those good social relationships among teams. As well as this, though, of course, there There are considerations for HR around wellbeing and employee engagement, which obviously are two aspects of work that have been a particular priority for the people function during the coronavirus crisis. The first obviously is around well-being and before the podcast I spoke to Claire Merritt who is a partner in the employment team at Paris Smith and she explained to me that employers do have a general obligation to protect the health and safety of staff as well as prevent any less favorable treatment due to disabilities and Claire explained in particular it's important to make sure employees are physically safe when they are working from home long-term home working means that employees must set up in a safe manner for working on screens and given about the best way to set up their workspace, it is really important that employers make sure that they have the right health and safety assessments for home working in place. Whilst it may not be possible to do home visits to all employees, online health and safety assessments are a really, really good starting point. And the legal expert went on to explain that health and safety also extends to employee mental well-being. And she stated that employers do have a duty of care to ensure that there is no undue stress on staff members. And to kind of help with this, she recommended clear channels of communication, um, healthy work patterns and kind of monitoring work hours to make sure that people aren't overworking. But of course, in addition to this, she did say that employees and HR should also be thinking about reasonable adjustments for those with a disability.
1: Yeah, I guess health and safety is something that a lot of businesses have had to prioritise over the last 12 months, but well-being, staff well-being is also something that is obviously so, so important, wouldn't you say, so?
0: Yes, absolutely. It- it is. And I think a lot of organisations have gone to great lengths to try and, you know, make working from home as comfortable as possible for employees throughout this time. So just going to share a couple of tips regarding supporting staff well-being during this time and I guess in the future as well. So firstly, kind of ensuring that staff have all of the equipment and facilities to comfortably carry out their jobs from home is critical. It may sound like an obvious thing, but obviously when the pandemic hit last year, lots of people didn't have the correct you know, desk facilities, chair facilities or even space in their house or flat to accommodate this working from home. And as a result, some firms, including Google, they gave their staff some money towards a home office last year, which obviously would have multiple benefits in terms of physical, mental and also financial well-being. And of course, initiatives like this are great, but not all employers will have the same money and resources to offer these sorts of things on such a large scale. But I think the message here is definitely around ensuring that staff have the necessary resources to, to work from home comfortably. Also, one thing we found throughout the pandemic is when working from home, it can be difficult to separate work and home life. So definitely prioritising work-life balance is key, particularly if this is going to be pursued long term. Uh, Also, encouraging staff to take regular breaks is good for both mental and physical well-being. And kind of touching on what Kieran said earlier about virtual water cooler moments, that could also be part of that. And staying connected with colleagues, both in a work capacity, but also in a social capacity is also really important for well-being as well.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. Out of sight does not mean out of mind when it comes to employees who are remote. And those who are thinking about these things now will definitely see the benefit to well-being in the long term. And I guess that that really has a strong link to engagement as well, Soph. Yes, well,
0: as you say, another point to this is around engagement. And kind of regardless of whether employees are eventually going to return to an office or work from home or do a bit of both, ensuring that the workforce is engaged is critical. Particularly if companies do plan to work remotely post-pandemic or adopt a bit of both, it's definitely important that HR and employers are thinking about how they can maintain high levels of staff engagement, particularly if everyone is not together and having those face-to-face interactions with one another. So, um, as we kind of said earlier, you know, regularly checking in, virtual water cooler moments. Of course, good comms channels, that's been something at the forefront of the pandemic. And also, online team building exercises are some of the, the ways that we've seen HR approach this, this in the last year. So, I'm just going to run through a couple of examples that we've seen in the last year that I definitely think could be replicated and done again and again to suit, you know, longer-term or hybrid models of work. So we reported on previously, Metro Bank rolled out an initiative called Tea on Teams, which encouraged video chats with the C-suite and acted as a really great way to boost colleague relations and engagement. A team at Thames Water also devised a randomized virtual seating plan to help staff catch up with different work colleagues, which I also thought was a really, really great idea and to get different people in the team to engage with one another. So lots of different things that employers have done so far. But before the podcast, I spoke to Nicola Forshaw, who's the Director of Human Resources at the Landmark London, who explained to me how crucial it is that organisations ensure that team members are included and involved in the generation of new ideas, regardless of where they are working. So, you know, referring back to some of the examples that we've shared today, having employees have their say and have their voices heard is a key part of that. Nicola also said that it's important that employees feel part of something, that they belong and feel valued for the work that they are carrying out. So definitely recognising and rewarding individuals for their contributions and successes is key. And she finished off by saying to me, Moving forward, companies must embrace a flexible working culture where consideration and time within what was the traditional working day is given for the health and well-being of their teams. I guess the important takeaway for HR is that if all of these things are done well and executed correctly, that then employees will still have high levels of productivity.
1: Yeah, and we've kind of covered a lot of these what I would call key HR core elements uh, in this week's podcast. I think these elements really show how whilst a hybrid working model may be a new concept for many, the key considerations are much like they would be in a purely physical setting. We're still talking about the same key elements of HR here. And people are still people, whether they're at home or in the office, And when these elements are really, truly considered, it can have a massive effect on well-being, on engagement, and, of course, therefore, on overall company culture, even if your team is spread across a country or a continent. and But getting that first stage right, the initial move, either back to an office or to a hybrid model or to a definitive remote working model, is absolutely essential. And that comes down to cloud clarity. So the CIPD data that they kind of recently released shows that 62% of people don't currently feel adequately consulted and are anxious about the return to work or whatever the future kind of, you know, structure is going to be compared with just 42% of people who have been adequately consulted in that area. And a lot of this comes down to giving line managers the tools that they need to look after workers through this really potentially disrupt, and confusing period, this big transitional period. And the good news is that actually a lot of businesses are doing quite well in terms of kind of line manager dialogue communication. So um, seven in 10 workers say that their line managers are keeping in touch with them and checking in on their well-being, which is so important. So that's, that's great to see. So consider all of these elements that we've talked about today, right? Keep communication and and engagement up. Consider how some practices will work with a hybrid workforce or a completely remote workforce and just ensure that HR and line managers are constantly checking in because that means more to staff. Than maybe you may think at first. But I think a a really perfect summary from this is from uh, Dr. Natalie Baumgartner, who is the uh, Chief Workforce Scientist at Achievers. She sat down with us before the podcast, and she told us that with long-term remote working, giving your employees the company and management support that they need is crucial. And having a well-aligned company culture becomes even more important. Every decision you make should align to your four to six core company values, and they should be your north star, as she puts it. Our remote workers need not only know, but to experience what matters to their organization through the way that the company brings their core values to life. And I think that's a really lovely quote to kind of conclude on there, really.
0: Yeah, I think it's definitely a nice summarizing quote for us to wrap up the podcast. But unfortunately, that's all we've got time for today. HR Grapevine wouldn't exist without your continued readership and engagement with our content. Whether that's our daily newsletters, monthly magazines, webinars, live events, or market leading research papers. So to find out more or to sign up to our daily content newsletter, which showcases solutions and best practice answers to all of your HR issues, please visit hrgrapevine.com.